Hey, uh, Brett. Uh, welcome to another episode of Float Your Boat. How are you, mate? I'm absolutely sensational, George, and yourself. You, you sound like you're pumped. What? <laughs> I'm pumped. pumped. You? I'm pumped. <laughs> uh, what happened? What happened today? You you what? sound like you're uh, you're not your normal self. I yes, I'm ready to go. Um, hey, George. What's the best yes. thing about Switzerland? Don't know. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. <laughs> you're a, a waker. Seriously. My, my, my sister couldn't make a bike out of spaghetti. You should have seen her face when I rode past her. <laughs> oh, what do you call a bear with no teeth? Uh, not sure. A gummy bear. Ah, boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. That's enough. That's enough okay. fun. So, That's enough hey, fun George. Stuff. Hey, George. Yes. yes, mate. Tell me, who have we got on today? So I'm excited. You know, <laughs> don't don't use my line. That's my line. Thank you very much. You're Where appropriating. Where do you get it? Yeah, no, no. You're you're, you're appropriating my culture. <laughs> that's right and you know how that gets you into trouble because you that will get you into trouble because you're pro possibly the most maligned individual on earth which is a fat middle-aged privileged white boy that's right <laughs> trying to make head nor tails of what's going on in this please? crazy can you, world can, can you apologize i apologized for, uh thank you. to all the the uh uh People that have trodden on this ground. To me. In, oh, to me. Oh, I apologize. Apologize to me, please. What, what for? for? For for treading on my my cultural heritage. Yes, correct. <laughs> you Jesus, George. What was the name uh, of your dog? Even what, he. What did even you call he. Him? Even he was my cultural heritage. Don't speak his name in vain. What is terrible? What did you call your dog? Billy Jean. No, 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 no. The other one that you had. Sooty? No, 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 no. What, uh, what did you the, the Greek one? The Greek dog you were going to call? What was it called? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Ella. <laughs> no, that was your goat. <laughs> oh, my, 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 I'm not going to go there. No. Uh, look, speaking of uh, cultural heritage, uh, in a way, who have um, we got on today, George? <laughs> well, anyway, this is we're, we're we're slowly getting to the point here. Okay. Uh, so, so hey, how was know, that last episode with Andrew McManus? The the preamble went for nine, <laughs> nine minutes. <laughs> do we do we do we get any feedback? We did. We got an email from somebody saying that we're funny bastards because the preamble was so long. Oh, <laughs> but they thought it was why, funny. Is that why we're extending the preambles these days? No, let's get on with it. Who's no? I want to get on with it. Go go. So, so, look, I, I'm I'm actually bringing on to the show. A world-class speaker and educator. His name's David Novak. Ever heard of him? Just how did you hoodwink him into doing this bloody podcast? Well, I tell you, I tell you why. I tell you why. Because the world is a very small place, and it's funny how we're you know we're circles within circles when you when you when you're um, in, in your life. Uh, so just a just like a, a wristle or a ringworm. <laughs> correct. So a bit, a bit, a bit of a um, bit of background. Uh, David and I actually grew up together in in Surrey Hills. He he used to pop into Mum and Dad's shop um, every now and then for uh, for lollies. He'd go into the uh, he'd go into the um, the video shop next door and and even went to the same high school as myself. Uh, for um, in and anyway, it's funny that when I met him again a few years back, I thought hmm, I know this guy from somewhere, but I couldn't place it. And in conversation, what came out of it was that you know, strangely, you'd, you'd beaten the shit out of him in the lame way. It's probably <laughs> probably the other way around because he was mad. You go. Oh, oh right. Okay. But uh, but um, what came out of it was that uh, that you know, so we've had some strange parallels in our lives, and and we've <laughs> almost crossed paths. We've almost crossed paths about a thousand times. So. I'm proud to bring him on because he he runs a very successful business called Wealth Wealthwise Education, where he truly truly educates people. He's a master. He's considered a leader in um, in the area of wealth creation and um, and finance management and uh, personal finance education because most people are illiterate when it comes to um, finances. So you haven't been medicine. to him, obviously. 
Well, I'm illiterate. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to at least be able to read in order to go <laughs> go and see him. <laughs> but but um, I haven't even been able to work one, out how to. One, I haven't been able to work out how to register for one of his courses because I'm illiterate. one two three. <laughs> Three. One, two, three, four, three. five, six, That's seven. That's right. And I and I brought that. I brought that yesterday for two bucks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, 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 David, so David, David, David had the same cultural. Ba- David had the same cultural background and the same challenges with respect to English. That's why he's so well polished now. He's such a great, a well-known speaker. speaker. Yes, well, well and he's been on TV television because I, I saw him on, I think, maybe the Sunrise Show. That's right, that's right. He's with, a TV with, personality. Uh, what's his he's name? with Kochi. 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 Isn't, that, isn't your, he a dickhead? What did you say? Kochi. No, don't say that. He is. He's a dickhead. I can't stand him. He's a dickhead. Well, I, I, well, Mind you, why, why Channel you Nine's tell, not much better. But Why did you tell David that? No, he's he's now not – I don't think he's on the sh- on. Free to air anymore. He's on Sky Business. Oh, that, well, that's a that, that's a that's a step up. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So, so David, Dave, David's going to share. I mean, I, I I'm really curious to find it. I mean, David started off as a you know um, just a humble guy. We humble. should um, we should finish this preamble, George. Otherwise, it's going to be a new world record. Is it? Are yeah. you timing this? Are you? Okay. It's been All six right. minutes. Here's David. Now I'll just keep on going. Right. Just get him on. Let's get him on. So here's uh, another episode of Float Your Boat, ladies and gentlemen. Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Oh, I see his name. Oh, now I, see, now I see his face. Hello, David. Hey, hello, George. Hello, Brett. Hi, looks David. Like how been, are you? Looks like you've been sunning yourself lately. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just this, um, I don't know, the lights. Are, the yellow light. light. Yeah. The yellow light. Do I, look, do I look like I've got... Jaundice. Um, Jaundice. <laughs> yes. That's it. Yes, you Liver do. disease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makeup artist uh, slapped it on a bit, bit, a bit hard. <laughs> yeah, this is my natural tan. <laughs> so, what, so what I didn't, so what I didn't, what I didn't tell you, Brett, before yep. he jumped on, is that he actually has a sense of humour as well, and he needs it for this show. <laughs> yes. Well, he needs it to be a friend of yours, George, probably. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I heard, uh, I'm sorry to hear your mother passed away, Brett. Mine did as well this year. Yeah, sorry to hear that, David. In June, did you that. say, yeah? Yours mother. June, yeah, late yeah, so June. Was mine. Um, yeah, mine was late, late June, and then my father eight weeks after that. Uh, sorry, sorry, oh, no, no, I'm... Sorry, the I'm the other way around. It's the other way around. My father died in June, and my mother died eight eight weeks later. Wow! I know, I know four other people whose mothers died within six weeks of mine dying either side. Isn't it? Wow! Now you're the you're the fifth. Wow! So it's six mothers that I know of. Jeez! Did she a... have a good run, your mother, David? Yeah, yeah. She was eighty six, and you know, um, finally got her into the aged care facility. You know, six weeks before she passed away, she was like. Yeah happiest I'd ever seen her and then she got pneumonia and that was it it was oh, gone gee. in a couple of days sorry to hear that I'm sorry to hear that I'm sorry to hear that too Thanks David to but, but but not 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 to put light on the subject but uh, have you thought that you might be bad luck for people <laughs> me me bad luck <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the shining light <laughs> the shining yeah, the great, yellow light at, at this the point great, the great white hope in your family I guess. the great white hope exactly <laughs> Hope for the world. <laughs> uh, so, so welcome, welcome to our show, David. Uh, it's always, it's always a pleasure for for 
for me to talk to you because it, you know we we have so many laughs and I just wanted to, I wanted to get you on the show so we could share not only your knowledge but also a few laughs with all our listeners and and we do have you know two dag uh, two dogs and a cat listening to our, our podcast so so it'll be fun it'll be fun yeah uh, looking forward to it let me just close down a couple of things so that um, you know there's no interruptions here so okay. So I was I was telling Brett I was telling Brett and our listeners that that you and I actually grew up together and we didn't we didn't really realize that until quite recently and it was quite amazing that we've had um, a, a parallels in our in our lives um, you know yeah you're a mad yeah. you're a mad Hugo uh, from from yeah. way back and and so is my dad um, you know we've we um, we grew up together in Surrey Hills. It's uh, tell us tell us a little bit about your uh, your upbringing. Immigrant parents, you know, came from um, you, what you, was Yugoslavia back then. It then became broken up after Tito passed away mm-hmm. to, from Serbia. So both my parents are Serbian. My mother is from Bosnia um, and my father was on the coast called Zadar near, near Croatia. Yes. So um, they immigrated here in the late 50s. And uh, I was lucky that when my mother, my mother was pregnant with me on the ship, and uh, when she arrived in Sydney, um, I was born. So it was good timing. That's right. So you were born in Australian waters, hey? Eh? Australian waters, yep. You're automatically uh, an Australian citizen, which is great. Exactly. First mm. one in the family. That's right. So a lot of immigrants came out, like your parents, George, and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, Brett, where you, you my, did you die, are you? My mother was uh, Scottish. So Scottish, she, yeah. So they, yeah. they came out. When she was very little, but uh, mm. yes, yeah, and and look, Australia was built on the back of immigrants. You know, you, you know, they hard workers. My parents were. Father was a you know painter. Um, my mother worked in a hospital as a catering maid. You know, so they were, they were hard workers and they had good work ethics. Um, but uh, you know, didn't know, didn't really had different views about money, and hence their marriage. They, they separate and divorce uh, when I was about 11 or 12. Yeah, tell us a little and, bit uh, about tell us a little about the, about their different views. Ah, chalk and cheese is the op- opposites. My mother was a saver. She's a really good saver, and my father was a really good spender. <laughs> <laughs> Recipe for a disaster, right? Yeah, and a, and unfortunately, a gambler. He loved gambling. He loved. He loved going to the horses, TAB, um, back then illegal casinos, playing Baccarat, and he'd come home with lots of money. And, and one time he had enough money. We were living in Paddington in a boarding house. I remember I was only five or six years of age. My first school was Darlinghurst. So that was my first public school. And, um, you know, we lived in Paddington in a boarding house. And... Um, my dad came, I remember, he had all this money he'd won, which was enough to buy a house in Paddington. Wow. But being a gambler, like, yeah, I could have bought the whole block, actually. Um, but this was a big boarding house. I mean, it was three stories high. You know, those really big terrace places. We yeah. lived in the basement yep. of this place. Yep. And, um, but, you know, what gamblers always think is that they can make it make more. Double down. So, double down. And my mother was trying to convince him to, like, at least you know, put down a big deposit or buy a house. And, but he went away and never, we didn't see him for three days and he came back and lost everything and and with a nice black eye. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it, it wasn't uh, what I call a, a stable environment to grow to grow up on up in, my sister and I, because my father used to get big, quite angry, violent, you know, abusive, you know, all of that. And, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, I was happy when he left. You know, that was the probably one of the happiest days of my life. But, look, the biggest thing is that, you know, if I hadn't done, as you know, George, the Landmark Forum um, 30 years ago, I mean, I would never have spoken to my dad again, which I didn't for 15 years up to that point. And, you know, that had me reconnect and forgive him for the past and, have compassion for what he must have gone through and his background and his upbringing, you know, mm. how difficult that was for him. Mm. So I'm very grateful um, for Landmark and their forum to give me access to that. 
Is he still with us or is he uh, gone as well? No, he's still kicking. Uh, he's still he's still kicking alive and uh, he's 80, 87 now. Right. And um, who would have thought, you know? Yeah. So, but he, yeah. he's retired in Foster now, up in Foster. So, um, well, you could, you but anyway, I feel so, you know, I have a lot of compassion for both my parents mm-hmm. and what they've got, what they went through and no education. And that's one of the things I've discovered is, you know, if you don't get complete about your background, your upbringing, in other words, put the past in the past, then guess what? You take that into the future. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and there's a, you know, um, suffer as a con- consequence. So, so, you know, I'm also, as you know, George, I'm a landmark seminar leader. I've been leading seminars for Landmark for five years. I don't get paid to do it. I do it because I love it. You know, people get to create and invent new possibilities in their life. Like I went from being a shy, introverted accountant, someone who left school, dropped out of school at 15. I found my niche, which is accounting. I was good with numbers, so I discovered and uh, ended up by 25 after completing my studies being the chief accountant of Barclays Bank in Sydney. At mm. 25. Mm. Were, you known, what, were you known as a, an accountant or a banker? Accountant. I was the financial yeah. controller. Oh, wow. And uh, well, chief accountant at Barclays. And then I moved to Perth and I was the financial controller of the $6 billion uh, quasi-merchant bank, which was um, government-sponsored. Uh, mm. we, we managed the state's assets of the Western Australian government. The Western, no, the Western Australian Development Corporation was a fantastic, successful body. I was a financial controller for four years. I mean, the government put in seed capital of 15 million to get it started. Mm-hmm. John Horgan, who was the chairman, who was an entrepreneur in WA, started Lewin Estate with his brother, Dennis Horgan. Yes. And he was mates with Brian Burke, who was the premier. I've actually got a good reference from, believe it or not, from Brian Burke, the premier at the time. Right. And... Um, Anyway, he, he convinced um, Brian Burke that, you know, politicians are politicians. They're not business people. They should go, start, go figure. You know, yeah, exactly. Start a corporation with private enterprise people to manage the state's assets, which is what the government did. They brought me in as the financial controller and a whole bunch of other people, of course, you know, um, to manage the state treasury and the um, property, huge property property. Uh, um, you know, portfolio of the government, like, you know, we redeveloped the Swan Brewery, for example, Fremantle, um, you know, Broome Tourist Development, um, Hopman Cup, we started the Hopman Cup Tennis. So put Western Australia on the map and we returned in four years. How, how's this for an investment? You put 15 million, the government put into the corporation, we returned 100 million in dividends in four years. Wow. That's incredible. Yep. Every state should have a... Now, the only reason it got closed down, the only reason the corporation got closed down is because you had the crash of 87, which I'll never forget. Uh, That's another story altogether. No, we'll Uh, we'll explore that. Yeah. Um, And what happened was in the crash, uh, there was a merchant bank called Rothwell's. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, I do. uh, uh, Rothwell, what was his name? who ran it, uh, oh, it's at the top of my head at the moment, but he approached the government for a lifeline of a line of credit of $100 million, which was like a bailout, right? Because what happened, Rothwell's, Den- um, oh, his name's just escapes me. It'll come back to me in a minute. Anyway, what Rothwell's did, they were high-risk merchant bank. If you remember in the 80s, interest rates were like 18 to 21%. It's crazy, yeah. So what happened, the stock market, as you remember, was booming. And what Rothwell's did offer, it offered depositors a higher rate of interest. Now, we traded, you know, what we call negotiable securities, uh, bearer bills, I mean, bills issued by, you know, banks like Rothwell's. We had our own negotiable instruments. We would not trade with Rothwell's because we knew it was a high-risk merchant bank, okay? So here's the government. We're the advisors to the government. So then um, he got, the Premier got approached by um, Rothwell's and um, and they wanted this lifeline. They needed this lifeline, 100 million, because what had happened is 
Rothwells was investing depositors' monies into the stock market. Oh, it's a very smart move. Yeah, into speculative mining shares. Even better. Which, hence why they're offering higher interest rates. So when the crash happened, guess what those shares were worth? Mm. Nothing. Mm. So um, the, the Premier came to us asking, should we throw them a loft line? And we said, no, because it's not the government's job to bail out private enterprise. I mean, if you stuff up, you stuff up, you know? The concern the Premier had at the time, of course, they didn't talk about this in the media. We got labelled as WA Inc., right? But this is the true story. This is what happened. So, you know, um, the concern the Premier had, Brian Burke at the time, and he was a Christian man. He had a family of six. He wasn't corrupt as they accused him of. He was concerned about the amount of uh, businesses, uh, charities that had money on deposit with Rothwells that they would lose and be lucky to get back whatever 10 cents in the dollar. And his concern was of the domino effect that would have in the WA economy. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, it's Gino from Bondi Broker. In today's changing times, the importance of health and financial security has never been more important. At Bondi Broker, we work with you to improve your financial security by offering free financial health checks, assisting in reducing your debt and gain competitive rates to improve your cash flow. Bondi Broker gets you in the best financial health so you can focus on what matters most. Visit our website today for your free consultation at bondibroker.com.au. Dallas Dempster. Sounds like a name you could trust. Yes. Debbie does Dallas, you mean? That's you. That's the Dallas you know, George. The Dallas dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. Dallas dump but, shit. No, no, sorry, sorry. It's Laurie Connell. Laurie, Laurie Connell. Connell. Dallas dumpster was someone. Oh, that, Laurie Connell. That name's Laurie familiar. Connell. That name's Laurie familiar. Connell. Laurie Connell. He was the. He was. He was the head of um, Rothwells. He's passed away, of course, by now. Mm. And. Um, Anyway, so we advised the government not to, but the Premier didn't want to take that risk of the effect, the domino effect it would have in the economy. So they gave the lifeline, but guess what? When they did the audit, it was much worse. The bank needed much more money. It ended up, the government ended up lending Rothwell's $450 million. Now you put that in context in the 80s. Yeah, that would have been double or triple today, right? Oh, more, yeah, more, and Triple and and, yeah. and that's what I meant by um, I thought the the state went bankrupt over over the dealings that it had um, it got in, got embroiled in just before the crash. No, it didn't go bankrupt. I mean, left them in a huge deficit, you know, in debt situation, and then they, you know, we got labelled, the government got labelled, and we got labelled because we were part of, you mm. know, what they called, you know, WA Inc you know, mm. which was all about supporting your mates and all that, which is all a lot of rubbish, you know. Mm, mm. But, you know, we became political football and guess what? The Premier got voted out. Um, the Libs, Liberals got in. Uh, the state went into a, a recession for the next five years and I was out of work and, you know, and I was back, you know, on a, on a plane back to Sydney. Now, it's not, you weren't just, just out of work. You uh, apparently... Bankrupt. Went, yeah, you also went had an experience with the uh, the crash. Yeah. What year? Yeah. What year was that, David? That was eighty seven. The eighty seven right. crash. Because right. I, I look here, here. I was bored with my job. I'd made it. I was financially independent, and um, I, you know, I went out to lunch with a, a mate of mine who was the bank manager with the National Bank, and we'd shout each other for you know back in those days in the eighties was fantastic. You had a corporate credit card, and you could take your mates out for lunch. Those long lunches. Tax deductible. <laughs> There's no fringe benefits tax back then. <laughs> oh, the glory days, yep. And anyway, he gave me this hot tip on a stock. Hot tip. Um, you oh, love those ones. Tip. I love those hot tips. <laughs> At least it didn't come from the taxi driver. This guy had a little bit more credibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly, a lot more credibility. And this was in the 80s. This was like 85 when I was there. Yes. And, of course, the market was gold was shooting up and you had high inflation. And he told me the stock, it was called Buddha Gold. And I thought, oh, that's got to be a winner with that name like Buddha, you know. <laughs> of course. 
<laughs> great, great and analytical work you did there. <laughs> so, yeah, great analytical work. And so I bought these shares and they doubled and tripled in a matter of a few weeks or months. And I thought, how good is this game? So what did I do? I, uh, I borrowed all this money against my property, which I was debt free at that time, and put it all in the stock market. And I was living the life of Gordon Gecko, uh -oh. riding. Uh -huh. The crest of the wave, just like a lot of people are doing today. Or you could say living the life of your dad. That's right. That is exactly <laughs> right. Little did I know at that point, you know. So I went from being a really conserved, being conservative, a saver like my mum, and that's exactly what I discovered in the forum, to being a high risk taker like my dad and being bored. Yeah. Mm. And you know, I moved, I actually sold my house and moved to the Esplanade. I was living in a penthouse on the Esplanade in Perth. I could see my office across the river, Swan River. I mean, it used to take me seven minutes door to door, would you believe, to drive. Mm, mm, wow. I drive to work, how ridiculous. And anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, then the crash of 87 happened and, um, and I knew there was something wrong. I actually thought, you know, this can't keep going. But I was in this, um, had a big stake in a mining stock and it was supposed to come out with some new bid announcement by the end of October and I thought, I'll wait for the announcement and then I'll get out. But guess what happened on the 19th of October? The crash. The crash happened. All the mining stocks, everything collapses. 50% crash in one day. Wow. I bet That's you. The average. I bet you remember that day well. Oh, you never forget it. Did you, you never did forget you, it? So, so after that hit you like a brick wall at speed. Um, what what was the first thing you did <laughs> when you when you saw what happened? Well, did my you... routine was I'd wake up in the morning. I had this um, TV, you know, uh, in the corner, you know, mm. turn on to see the business news, mm. and um, and it was like six thirty in the morning Perth time, and I just heard the Dow Jones crashed overnight by blah blah blah, and I thought, oh, this ain't this ain't going to be good. It's called Black Monday when it happened here. And um, and by then, you know, everything was done. They were still updating prices in the chalkboard at the stock exchange. You know, BHP, price for BHP and other stocks. I mean, they, they were still using paper scripts. You know, the whole thing was out of control. Mm. And the only way you could get through was to ring your broker. And, of course, the lines were engaged all, all morning. So I knew at that stage, you know, I've just been wiped out. So I might as well go back to bed and sleep in. Because <laughs> that's the last time you'll have that nice double bed. Because you'll have to sell that's that. Right. <laughs> no, he had he had the mattress at least. He dragged it out and out into the local park. That's <laughs> <laughs> just about. I mean, I had to move out of the penthouse into shared accommodation. Oh, wow. oh, is that for real? Is that for real? You did that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, of course. I mean, I had margin calls I couldn't meet. Right. Well, what? Yeah. Are, what but what do you, what do you, what do you, do you recall how you, how you felt at the time? Were you chirpy? Oh, I wasn't jumping for joy, I can tell you. <laughs> you weren't doing <laughs> I wasn't but did, thrilled. But joy. were you, but were you gutted or determined to make, make a change? So oh, no, I, I think for anybody who's human, of course, you know, I felt gutted, you know, and um, I never suicidal. I mean, people did commit suicide during that time, mm -hmm. you know, jumping out of windows and stuff. As an old joke, it's like from a broker's window. It said, would the last one out please close the window? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Some brokers did, you know. <laughs> right, you know, I wasn't going to do that. I thought, you know, I was in my early 30s. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, young enough, you can, you know, get back on your feet again. Mm -hmm. But it, it was, you know, it was a, a depressive period. No doubt about that. I mean, here I am out of work, just gone bankrupt. And all I've got left is a suitcase and now $200 to my name. So in a one-way ticket back to back to Sydney on a bus. Wow. <laughs> That's all you could scrape together, a bus ticket. And and yeah, and and ended up sleeping on a ex-girlfriend's lounge. Right. When, when, when you got back to Sydney. Yeah. Right. So you, at that point, you felt uh, really special. <laughs> is that, uh, David, is that when you found uh, Landmark? Was it then? 
No, actually, I found it in Perth in 1989. Mm. Um, thank goodness. Uh, who, of all people who shared the uh, forum, because I was in the back of a taxi and after a very long evening and uh, a few drinks, and I was sharing my ways with the taxi driver, and he was a Czechoslovakian refugee engineer by, in his country. Uh, i never forget his name, Miro Rupik, and he shared the forum with me. He said, oh, you should go do forum. Make you feel good. I'm, I'm sure he said. I'm sure he slipped in the effing word a couple of times. I said, "What's?" I said, what's, "What's this forum?" You know, and he invited me to. I remember Bondi built uh, Observation City in Scarborough Beach, and it was uh, one of these evenings. There's about 400 people, and I went along skeptical, thinking, "Oh, this looks like an Amway meeting of some kind or network marketing." Not, nothing wrong with that, of course, but. Um, you know, I had my doubts and I was just curious. I mean, some of the people are sharing and what they got out of it. I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I've lost everything already. I might as well give it a go. Mm. Signed up and it was the best thing I ever did. And I went from that. Uh, it opened up this. If Now, if you said to me back then, I would have gone from being a shy, introverted accountant, like terrified, terrified to speak in front of people, like more than three. I couldn't lead three people in silent prayer. I mean, yeah. it was just me. The thought of standing up in front of a crowd and audience was like, not, not me, you know? I didn't see myself as that. Now, if you wind back the clock and fast forward a little, after Landmark, after doing the forum, it just opened up this whole new possibility I discovered. Because one of the things I took into the forum was, even though when I had everything before, and I was a financial controller of this merchant bank and successful, I wasn't satisfied or fulfilled. It's like you hear this all the time. Mm. You know, people reach their goal and then you get there and you go, is this, is this it? Is this all there is? So I went into the forum to discover, because they don't give you the answer. It's a discovery process that you go through over three days to discover, you know, what is it that I'd really love to do that would be what they call a self-expression for me that would be fulfilling. Now, if you told me um, what opened up as a possibility was somebody said, look, with your experience in the financial markets and accounting and your knowledge of, of the markets, have you ever thought about teaching people about your experience and knowledge? And I went, no, never. But hey, that was a possibility that came out of the forum. So I started teaching a small group of about 20 people and they loved what I had to share. And then, um, you know, I was starting to run these small workshops and then out of the blue, I get this call in, inviting me. This is when I was back in Sydney and this was in 1997 uh, where I get this call out of the blue inviting me to come and speak for Tony Robbins' first Wealth Mastery Program, four-day Wealth Mastery Program, it's called, in Sydney at Star City. Wow. Which just opened up with, in front of 1,500 people. How did they hear of you, David? Exactly. I mean, one of the people in my, obviously, one of my small courses must have shared it with the promoters and said, oh, you've got to get this guy because I've got a lot of experience. I learned, I started, studied about derivatives, which are options. So I was a classified as what you call a derivatives expert, understanding options, which options that give you leverage to make money on the way up or down. I wish I knew about them in 87, of mm. course, before mm. the crash. You could protect your portfolio with options so that even if the market goes down, your portfolio is protected. This is one of the strategies that I teach today. But anyway, so out of the blue, I was like, you know, the promoters ring me and say, look, we've heard that you've got a lot of experience in derivatives and we'd love you to come and be a, a guest speaker. And I thought it was a joke, but you know, and I said, sure, how many people are going to be there? And he said, oh, at least, you know, 1,000 to 1,500. At least. <laughs> and, you know, not a, bad, kind of not, a, not a bad turnout for your first gig. Yeah. So I turn up on the first day and, um, you know, I'm looking like Madonna with the mic here, you know, not look like Madonna. <laughs> no, but, you, you know, look nothing uh, like Madonna. No. Trust me. <laughs> You're much better looking than her. <laughs> oh, oh, Brett, that's charming. <laughs> exactly. So, so then I've got these two bodyguards, and it's like, a, and I'm the only Australian speaker, local boy, and all the rest of Americans. And anyway, they give me this roaring, well, you know, welcome this Aussie, Aussie guy, your local boy from Sydney. 
you know, and I run up and nearly tripped over and there's this just silhouette of heads and lights and, you know, and that was the, my, what I call, what Landmark calls your breakthrough moment. Uh, and um, so I spoke for two hours. Was, first, it was like, you know, I had to get, I, I invented this possibility of courage. That's right, being courageous was the possibility. So that's where I stood when I ran up on stage and just being authentic and being self-expressed. And, you know, at first nervous, of course, um, but I uh, got through it after two hours. And then Chuck Mellon, who was one of the key speakers, asked me, he said, look, would you stay on for the next three days and support me, you know, be my backup? And I said, sure. So I ended up being, you know, speaking for four days, not just one. And then they asked me to come back and be one of the keynote speakers the year after. And then the year after that, and then in Singapore, and then in 2000, Robert Kiyosaki came to Australia, who's the author of the best-selling financial book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, sold over 30 million copies. Robert had been on Oprah. Would you believe he's good friends? He wrote a book with Donald Trump called How to Get Rich. Yes, yes, I remember that one. Anyway, um, he came to Australia, and there was a 1,000 people at his three-day financial intelligence program, which I booked myself in for. And would you believe on the game on the first morning, I, I get this tap on the shoulder, I turn around and it's Robert standing behind me, introducing himself. It's like, I can't believe this is happening. Wow. Asked me if I would get up and speak. And I said, sure. <laughs> so these are the kind of breakthroughs yeah, that open up after the forum. And, um, and then after he heard me speak, he said, look, uh, can I... Uh, uh, record you. Can we do a recording on the Monday after the program, which is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at his hotel? And we did that on back then. It was a you know a, a tape, you know, one of those um, cassette tapes. Remember those yeah. days, the cassette yeah, tapes. Yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. do. You needed a pencil half the time to wind the tape back in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that 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 tape went out to a hundred thousand people around wow. the world, and then he invited me to come to the states and asked me if I'd be a keynote speaker for him in the US and around the world, which I did for five years. Wow, that's a that's an amazing story, David, uh, uh, very inspiring. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there would, they, their jaws would be on the floor right now, well, probably, because that's well, a pretty amazing. Especially in the context of, um, you know, your upbringing, like where you came from and, you know, you being shy, yeah. the shy retiring type, you know, and uh, never had... Yeah. yeah, 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 and you, you, you just, um, you know, it, it just um, doors opened. It did, it did, and I discovered that's who I am. I'm a teacher, and I love teaching and making a difference to people. And I found my, this is my calling, and uh, and then I ended up. It's this is how my life has gone. Then somebody said, look, I, he was a broken um, analyst who um, was on Sky Business News. Yes, over ten years ago which was the premier business channel. And he said, look, I'm supposed to be on this show tonight. It's called Your Money, Your Call. Can you step in for me? I said, yeah, sure. Well, it just called you out of the blue. Yeah. So again, I was on this on this show called Your Money, Your Call. It, it's a, a two-hour show. It's a live show where people around Australia call in and ask about their stocks. Anyway, they loved me. You know, the producer loved me, and they asked me to come back. And I was on Sky Business TV for the next 10 years and a number of different programs. So, David, you discovered um, what your true vocation was, which is obviously teaching. Yeah. How, how, how did you have that? Did you have a, that? Uh, the broke, breakthrough moment was, the, was getting up in front of, you know, the Anthony Robbins crew. But was there... Was there other things that led up to that, that that gave you the insight to think, I I think I can do this. I think I can be a teacher and I think I've got the courage to do so. Yeah, it was the landmark programs. You know, the, the forum opened the door to this, you know, it, it opens your mind. The forum is about opening your mind to new possibilities that you can't imagine. So there's no way I ever had a dream about being a speaker on a global stage, you know, mm. for Tony Robbins or Robert Kiyosaki. That was like, never in my dreams but after doing the forum on that sunday the sunday evening or the sunday afternoon of the forum it you know you get to see there's other possibilities it's like this well imagine you're 
you know, you're wearing glasses, right? But imagine you had colored glasses on, like colored sunglasses, like say yellow, okay? So at first everything is yellow and that's normal. After a while, guess what? You don't even notice you're wearing the sunglasses and everything's yellow, it's just yellow. Yep. Are you with me? Yep. Now, suddenly I, what Landmark does is, hey, try on these glasses. There's different multicolored lens. Right. So to see things through in a different way that you can't imagine. That's what, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, what's the, there's another analogy about when, you know, you put two colors together, like, um, you know, blue and yellow, I think, right? Yep. Now you see blue or yellow, but what's possible is green, isn't it? Yep. That's possible. That's possible. Now, you can you can see that, you can imagine that, but here's what's not possible with blue or yellow. You can't, blue or green, blue and yellow, so you can't see other colors like purple, orange, crimson. You know, there's all these other colors that, are possible, but not possible in that context. If you see what I mean, mm-hmm. if you can see, it's kind of like a lot of people are walking around. They don't realize they're colorblinded. Mm-hmm. They can only see what they see. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. But let me tell you, there's much more to see than you're, if you allow yourself to discover. And it's really interesting. A lot of people, you know, there's people who are open to discovering new possibilities and it's surprising how many people aren't. Is there a lot of is there a lot of pain that goes before you have that breakthrough? No, no, I already went through the pain of losing everything. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> That's painful enough. <laughs> That's painful enough. Unfortunately, it does take some people to get to rock bottom before they do something to discover something new. You know, in some cases, um, I think I think that that's pretty general across the board. I mean, like it's usually a health scare that you know that causes uh, especially males more so than females to you know pull their shit together and go and get checked and change their lifestyle right correct and again there's a blind spot this is another thing that you discover we've all got these blind spots as landmark calls it things that you discover that you don't even know that you don't even know it's like driving a car and then suddenly you change lanes and there's a car there Mm. that you didn't see so you discover we've got all these blind spots. And the same thing applies in relation relationships, um, who we choose in relationships with money, with health, all of these areas, we've got blind spots that you discover. And it's the process, again, that you go through at Landmark to discover, oh, I've had this blind spot that I could see. And I saw why, for example, I could see why I became the way I became at that time back then while shy and introverted because of my upbringing. Now, obviously, when my father would come home, and especially if he had not had a good day or worse, lost money, he wouldn't be exactly happy. And I was terrified of my father. So the first thing is you just, as a child, when you're scared, is shut up, don't say anything, you'll get mm. into trouble. Mm. Mm. Sounds, sounds familiar. That, that decision... These are the kind of decisions you discover, and I saw this in the forum, that decision was there for the rest of my life. I was scared to say anything because I'd get into trouble. That decision. Now, I didn't know that I made that decision. But that was the source of um, my fear of speaking up. You clearly see that doesn't doesn't exist today. (laughs) Obviously. But how, how do you get to that? That point where you go from being that shy, you know, scared boy to su- like assuming it's like suddenly you're not scared and you're courageous. Like, well, okay, because, well, first of all, you, you see, okay, I became who I am. I became as a result of those decisions I made in the past or incidents. Yeah. Yep. First thing, but where landmark leaves you at the end of the three days, particularly on the Sunday, Sunday afternoon, is you see, okay, who you became is based on all these things that happened in the past. And you discover all these decisions we make that, you know, shaped our lives. And, you know, you don't have to look very far. In fact, if you look at your life authentically, you'll start to see who's had the experience of, you know, when you do things, 
you, you just find yourself doing things over and over again. You're doing the same things. Mm. And you know those things don't work, but you keep doing it. Because it's comfortable? No, well, that's, that's an explanation, but it's a blind spot that causes you to keep doing that. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep doing it. You get me? Yep. But, but what people do is come up with all the justifications and reasons and explanations, which make no difference whatsoever. So for me, what, what happens at the forum at the end last day, it creates this, and I can't share the punchline because it'll ruin it for you mm. in the forum when you get it, but it gives you a powerful, what we call new context to view life through that is really powerful. And when you get it, it's like, wow, I can create anything I want for myself in my life is the experience most people are left with. Right. So that you know, that's what you that's what you get. And I, at that time, look, I didn't know what I was going to create, but I went on and discovered that in some of the other courses afterwards. One in particular called the Advanced Course, which was the more the you know being who you are as a self-expression in the world. That's where I discovered myself as being somebody who had the possibility of being courageous and being in front of people and expressing myself, right. being free. I mean, David, David, you managed to, you managed to, um, you know, obviously you know, project yourself on, on the stage in front of thousands of people because of this. And, and, you know, you, you developed the courage to do so. It wasn't um, something more fearful than death for you. No. Um, well, at the beginning it was, but it was, you know, it was. It's, it's, it was in but, the beginning, but, but afterwards. But of course, you had to have, um, you know, something to say and some some credibility and knowledge behind you. How did you develop the 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 money sense that you that you have today? The the you know the financial wisdom that you impart on people. Uh, talk well, us talk us through the stages. I mean, obviously. I can only speak from personal experience. I think it was uh, much the same for you. When you go through something as painful as um, as a bankruptcy, you learn a lot. You learn a, lot, learn a hell of a lot. Well, you, learn, you learn how much you didn't know. <laughs> your failures are the best. Like, I welcome failures. Yeah. Most people uh, yeah. don't. No, most people don't. Uh, failures are your biggest teacher. Like, you've got to look at, okay, what happened here? What what is the lesson here or what is it that I didn't see at the time? Mm. Okay. Now, of course, again, some of the distinctions they're called that man Mark teaches you give you access to seeing things that, you know, for example, integrity, right? One of the big things that landmark teaches as a distinction, a powerful distinction, they should teach this in schools around the world. I've got to tell you, most people do not, fully comprehend or understand the power of integrity. Now, it's not like a moralistic thing. It's not integrity being right or wrong. It's not, nothing like that. Landmark doesn't look at good or bad, right or wrong. They don't go there. It's more about integrity gives you access to workability. It's like the spokes in a wheel. If you start removing a couple of spokes in a wheel, what happens to the integrity of that wheel? It diminishes. It's the same for human beings. So one of the things I wasn't brought up, my parents didn't teach me about integrity. My, my teachers at school didn't teach you. If you said to me, oh, you've got no integrity or you're lacking integrity, you might as well be speaking Swahili. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what you're talking about. Like, what, what, is it, what, what are you talking about integrity? I had no idea what the word meant, mm-hmm. you know, or what what is behind integrity. Now, the basic level of integrity, just the basic level, is keeping your promises, you know? When you say you're going to do something, you do it. And then when you don't keep your promises, Mm. then you restore integrity by um, acknowledging that you didn't keep your word with the people that you were impacted by that, by you not keeping your word, right? That's the basic level or understanding of integrity. I cannot tell you how that transformed my life because without integrity, um, it, it, you don't have access to real power and freedom. In other words, if I have a relationship 
you know, one of the things about integrity is developing a powerful, like a muscle, developing a muscle, which is a powerful relationship to your word, you know? So when you say you're going to do something, you do it. It's that simple. However, that's really tough for a lot of people. Don Bradman, before he passed away, one of his final interviews, they said, well, what, what's the number one thing you'd like to say has been the most important thing to you? Guess what he said? Yep, integrity. integrity. Well, um, the only reason they don't like it is because they haven't experienced it. I can tell you, it's one of the things that people are weak in. You know, it's like turning up late to a seminar session or not doing the assignments that between the sessions is where the rubber hits the road. You know, the simple assignments, mm. not doing those. Um, you know, or uh, not being coachable. You know, there's these promises and agreements that you take on. You know, I mean, any anybody who's been very successful in life, athletes, you name it, business people, they've got a coach, mm. a powerful coach. So there's all these promises, and you say it's really simple promises, like be on time, do the assignments, be coachable. How simple is that, right? Confidential, don't, don't share, don't gossip. They're really simple agreements. How many people do you think don't keep those agreements? Probably all. Probably most, I'd say. Yeah, about 80%. And then they wonder why they don't get the result. Yeah, that's right. They wonder why they don't get... It's like this, okay? You go to the gym. You sign up at the gym. That's why the gyms are successful because 50% of the people drop out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> then, you, then, you, then you hire a, a, a trainer, right? And, and, you know, it's a good structure for most people, you know, so you go there and then the trainer tells you, okay, now you want, I want you to do this and this. And then you go there and do nothing in between. Mm. And then you blame the trainer because you haven't gotten fit or you put on weight. He's a shit trainer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I say, well, what did you do? What the trainer told you to do? No. And then they come up with the excuses. Oh, but you know, you don't under there. I've I've mentored traders, right? Yes. I was mentoring traders for five years. That's trade traders, as in T R A D. Not IT. Not trade traders in the in the options market. Yes. Derivatives. Yes. Fast moving market, right? So, I ran a mentoring program over a number of years. So I understand the psychology of traders very well. And typically this is what would happen, right? They know the rules. There's clear rules, guidelines to follow. You just got to follow them, okay? Inevitably, what would happen is people would break those rules. And I go, well, why did you break the rules? Why didn't you follow the rules? And what do you think that'd say? Um, Didn't suit me? No. Why would somebody break rules that they know what they've learned and they know that works because I've tested them over the years, they, they work. But why would somebody break the rules? They think they're better? Habit? That's good. That could be one reason. They, they think they're better than the rules or they've got this now they can do better than the rules. That's La- definitely la- laziness. Another one. I mean, you could say the lack of discipline, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. But then again, they know they're breaking the rules but that you have this little voice in your head. That justifies you know, breaking the rules. That justifies. And it's one of the things you master with landmark teachers and you ma- I've mastered, well, you know, continually master over time is listening to that little voice, those thoughts that you have that tell you what you can and can't do. Or in that moment, you know, you want to break your word and you just realize in that moment that you, you want to break your word, like what's really there that's stopping you from keeping your word, mm. you know, just being aware of that. Um, a lot of people are not. It's, it's, you know, they'll have some really great excuses like, oh, you know, I didn't come to the seminar session because I got these free tickets to see, you know, um, the Rolling Stones or whatever, right? Mm. And that justifies them breaking their word. And, and look, when something, you know, there's a nice carrot being waved in front of you, you take it, you know? Mm. Yep. Yep. Well, that's greed. well. That's always yeah. I was going to say greed, and and that's always the way trying to find the shortcut, right? What government, whoever gets elected in the U.S., um, who's going to raise interest rates? 
who's going to have the courage to do that? Mm. At some point, not interest rates. Well, interest rates is what they, they want. There's, you know, fears about inflation versus deflation. Besides that, at some point, you've got to pay down the debt, which means raising taxes. Tell me, what politician's going to do that? So, look, I could, you know, I can talk with a mouthful of mustard underwater all day, <laughs> all night about it. <laughs> Uh, you can, and 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 if people want to um, learn more, uh, there, there's obviously a way that they can yeah. hear you for hours on end, rabbit on about uh, you know how they how they uh, how they can make a fortune by not investing in hysteria. Um, That's right. Yeah. So so how would how would uh, I mean just briefly just briefly what do you offer uh, people uh, apart from being able to entertain and be a good public Ed- speaker education. And- Education. education. Oh, that's simple yeah. old chestnut, eh? That education. sounds just, that's, that wisdom. sounds that sounds too hard. Is there a shortcut? You know what people say? <laughs> wisdom and you know, education and wisdom based on my 30 years experience. But you know what? Here's the thing. Some people say, Oh, how much is your program? I've got a two-day program coming up at the end of uh, September, actually Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody's interested, they can still get the early bird if they contact us by Monday. Yes. Yep the early bird price but it's for beginners or experienced investors it's teaching you how to find a good deal versus a bad deal in the stock market when investing in companies and also the timing like understanding how to read charts and knowing when to buy most importantly when to sell Mm. and learning how to manage your risk they are the simple critical things that are important for an investor going into the market Mm. and then people look at the price and they go oh well, why is it so expensive? I say, if you think that's expensive, try ignorance. Yeah. Give that a go. Well, they say they think ignorance is bliss, right? Exactly. That's right. So if they want to have information, go to my website, which is wealthwiseeducation.com. And the course is called Invest for Success. And it's about, uh, I think the early bird is twenty one ninety seven or something. It's cheap. <laughs> I don't see. I, I'm actually on. I'm actually on the website now, but I don't see um, follow the shiny bouncy ball course. <laughs> That's your favourite course, George. You've been playing that course for years. I have. I've been following. <laughs> and that's why that room behind you is empty, right? Because you had to sell the furniture. <laughs> the last thing left, that, that lounge that you see in the background, Brett, is the one I sleep that's on. Your that's your bed. All I left. <laughs> but I, I, look, I tell you, I wish somebody like me taught me what I know today because, you know, I'll tell you, it would have saved me millions, mm. you know, yeah. and a lot of pain. Yeah. So it's a it's a very powerful workshop, and yeah, and we've been teaching for twenty three years now, so we know what you know, uh, what people expect and what the results they get. Yeah, yeah. So David, uh, thanks so much for giving us some of your time today. Um, I, I, it's been a really great interview, and I, yeah. I don't think I'll have to edit it too much, which I thank you for because. Usually George yeah. talks too much, and I have to cut half of his shit out, right? So, but but you've out talked him, which is great. Well, he's he's like he's he's cut from the same cloth, mate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he can talk underwater with a mouthful of cement. He's <laughs> so lucky to you, George. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take my yellow tinted glasses off because you're looking yellow to me. I'm going to see, I'm going to see some other colours now. Yeah, this is my natural tan. This is my Balinese tan. That's the solarium tan, right? Queensland. The, Queens, the Queensland millionaire's tan. <laughs> Have you got white shoes on, David? Come on. No. In fact, I've got no shoes on. I'm <laughs> Just undies. Just as well on Zoom, we see it from the waist up. (laughs) Well, it's been a real, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Uh, thanks, David. David. Thank you so much. Very much for you for your time once again, David. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. And Brett and Brett and I are going to book into one of these courses. I I was only thinking, I was thinking in my head, oh Jesus, that's tempting. You you never know, you might see my ugly mug sooner or later. It'll save you a lot of and make you a lot of money. I can promise you that. Thank you, David. Terrific, David. You take care. My pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. See you later. Bye.